0: So I wanna, I'm, I'm gonna start with kind of a crazy question. Would you, would you trade your destiny, would you trade your destiny for a dinner? Well, if it was the Republic um, or Christopher, no, no. <laughs> is, is lunch more than your, is it worth more than your life? Is a lunch worth more than your life? So, well, Pastor, why do, do you ask these crazy questions? Well, there's a story in Genesis 25 of twin brothers, and their names are Esau and Jacob. Esau was born first. And in a moment of weakness, as, as they had grown up, in a moment of weakness and carelessness, Esau traded his birthright to his younger brother for a meal. He was so hungry that he made a decision that cost him the rest of his life. Now, being the firstborn, especially the firstborn son, it meant having what was called a birthright. We don't follow this pattern so much anymore, but... The birthright gave Esau special privileges and advantages. He he would, for example, receive a double portion. The firstborn son that had the birthright received a double portion of the inheritance from his father more and over than over his siblings. Whatever they got, he got twice as much. The firstborn who had the birthright had the judicial authority over his father's family over his estate. And because he was the firstborn, the community, it was known that there was just this bestowed honor on him simply because he was the firstborn. And Esau traded his destiny for a dinner. Now, the writer in the book of Hebrews So so the original story of Esau and Jacob is recorded in Genesis 25 in the beginning of the Bible. If you fast forward through the New Testament, the writer of the book of Hebrews references the same story. And it's a verse, two verses I want to focus on here today. It's chapter 12, verse 16, and here's what it says. Esau, who for a morsel of meat sold his birthright. Verse 17, then afterward when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected and he found no place of repentance even though he sought it carefully, the translation says. He sought it carefully and intently with his tears. So for one moment of pleasure, he traded his purpose. He gave in to a felt need in exchange for his future. So I would say to us today, please, beware what you're willing to trade your character, your integrity, and your future for. It only takes one wrong choice in a moment of weakness to mess up everything you were born for and that you have lived and worked your lifetime to build. For one morsel of meat, he sold his birthright. In verse 17, it's the infamous words, then afterward... There's always the aftermath of sin and of a mistake. And if you could show yourself, if you can remind yourself what it looks like, if you followed through with that wrong choice, and if it was found out, or it, and it will be, If you could play out the story in your mind of the decision you're making, that's why it's wise to pause before you act a lot of times. Think before you speak and before you act because you wanna know if you can live with whatever's coming after that decision. So instead of receiving the blessing of the firstborn with the birthright, Esau was rejected. Now, he was still a son. He was still a son, but some decisions cost you your reputation. Some decisions cost you your influence and your trust, and you pay for it the rest of your life. Now, here's the beauty of one side of this God will forgive you when you repent. Aren't you thankful for that right now? God forgives us. I don't want you to sit here uneasy, but I want you to think about it. God forgives us when you ask and you repent of that sin. But the scars and the hurt that betrayal leaves behind, you'll carry the rest of your life. Now, having said that, there's... A sentence in the 17th verse of Hebrews 12 that I want us to kind of land on and and talk about for a few minutes. And it's part of verse 17 that says that Esau found no place of repentance. He he didn't find a place of repentance even though he sought it carefully. He he intently tried to find it. Now, Now think about it this way. He found no place of repentance. Well, what does does it mean to repent? Repentance means to express sincere remorse and regret for our wrongdoing and our sin. Repentance is literally walking away from what God's word says is wrong and turning and returning to what his word has commanded for our life to follow. Repentance is having a strong determination to forsake our past, our habits, our behaviors, our actions. And evidently, Esau had remorse for losing his birthright. He even cried about it, but he apparently, deep inside, didn't have a heart change. He didn't have a heart change. He never found the place of repentance. Now, now let me say it this way it's like someone who ends up in a prison cell and they regret it, but aren't remorseful for the reason that they're there. That they found no place of true repentance. There's some regrets but it's the wrong kind of regret. You see, repentance is more than having a moment of remorse or regret for doing something. Repentance is when we physically and emotionally and spiritually have a change of thinking, a change of heart about our past actions and our thoughts. So so repentance literally means a complete change of mind. We live in a society and in a world where absolutes are being completely erased. Where truth has become subjective and it's kind of in your own decision and your own thinking. I have to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that that's a lie from the devil because God has absolutes. There's right and there's wrong and that's it. And the beauty of this whole thing of repentance is, is you can be forgiven and you can move forward. But God, we, we have to understand this, this regret and remorse. We gotta realize that, that we've broken the heart of God when we sin, and we actually have to get the same mindset that, that our sin is what nailed Jesus to the cross. So, so God calls you and me, he calls you and I to find a place of repentance. It's the only reference in scripture where that word place of repentance is is talked about. or It's the only one I've found. So God calls us to a place where we're not only sad for our sin, but we have a change of outlook toward our sin. It's actually to see our sin as God sees it. Now now please understand, God is holy. we have perhaps forgotten about the holiness of the almighty God that we serve. He was before all things, and he'll be after all things. He was God all by himself. He created everything that has been made. He did it by the power of his word. He is holy, and there's no way that man could come into the presence of God. Sin is what separates us from the holiness of God. And this is why he had to send Jesus, the God-man, conceived by a virgin named Mary, born of a woman, the God-man, the Son of God, Jesus, who knew no sin. The scripture says no guile was found in his mouth. There was nothing in him, his heart. He had the the Spirit of God in him, the Holy Spirit upon him. God fathered him. But he was born of a woman so he could be tempted and tried and understand the the footsteps of mankind. And he came to this earth for one purpose and that one purpose was to die a sinner's death on a cross for all humanity and pay for our sin, which is the sin of you and me. And because of Jesus and his death on the cross, he's made it possible for you and I now to enter the presence of a holy God. It's because of the sacrifice of Jesus and the blood, the innocent blood of the Lamb of God. And boy, you need to study the whole Old Testament about lambs that were offered as sacrifices, hundreds and thousands of them every single day for the people of God. They did not forgive sin, but they simply pushed sin forward. It simply kind of covered it for a moment. But it was the Son of God, Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate Lamb of God who came and laid down his life on a cross and allowed his blood to be shed and he paid for the sin of all humanity, past, present, and future. And it's because of Jesus that we now can come into the holy presence of this holy God and stand before him, not on our own accord, but the Bible says Jesus now stands as the mediator between God and man. He is our attorney. He is our advocate. And when God sees us, he doesn't see our sin. He sees Jesus standing between us and him and the blood of Jesus covering us. And so when the judge, the God of heaven, the Holy One speaks to us, it is our advocate Jesus that returns conversation and says, I died for them. And when you see them, I've covered them with my blood. And so they're able to come into your presence. (laughs) Now there's a whole lot of theology in that. But you got to understand, Jesus dying on the cross was not some simple act. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. Without Jesus, we would die in our sin. Without Jesus' death on the cross, our debt of sin would never be paid. Without Jesus conquering death and rising from the grave on the third day, we would never know eternal life. But because of Jesus, we have that. Aren't you grateful for the blood of Jesus today? Aren't you thankful for the power? Come on. Thank you, Jesus. I think you ought to give Jesus a better ovation than that. I mean, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He took my place. Now, I discovered something interesting, too, about that word place, the, the place of repentance. That same word place that's used in Hebrews 12, 17 is synonymous with the same word used in other places in the Bible where it talks about the place of of the sword, the word place, the same, the place of repentance, it's the same expression in the languages of the place of the sword. The the reference is that a sword out of its place, wish I had one, a sword out of its place, its sheath, its place is dangerous and becomes a threat to anyone near it. So it spoke to me that when we don't stay or remain in the place of repentance, we can become dangerous to others and mostly to ourselves. Let me say it this way. When we remove ourselves from the place of repentance, we begin destroying the things closest to us and most valuable to us. We begin to destroy our integrity and our reputation and our purity and our relationship with God. We become dangerous when we get out of the place of repentance. It's not just an act one time, but God's calling us to live in a place of repentance where we're constantly reminded that our sin separates us from God and I don't want to live in fear of God I want to live in in respect of God to say God help me to keep my heart right It's so easy to pass sin off these days, and it's no big deal and sweep it under the rug. God will forgive you, and I get that. God will forgive you, but the devil has kind of made it easy for some of us. As Paul said, just because there's the blood of Jesus and the death on the cross, shall I go ahead and sin anyway? No, Paul says. There is another verse that says, to him that knows to do good, and he doesn't do it, it's sin. Pastor, you're preaching kind of straight today. You ought to say thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I'm not mad at anybody. I love people. And I'm here to tell us too many of us find ourselves just doing the Christian thing, but we're not living in the place of repentance. We're not living in the place where we see sin like God sees it. The world has so blurred the lines between right and wrong and morality and and the way God made us. The world has blurred all of that. All the absolutes, they're taking that away. They're trying to destroy the very foundation of humanity, which is found in the Bible. God gave us the Bible, which is the handbook for human life. Maybe this is why Paul said, in 1 Corinthians, I die to myself every single day. Are we doing that? He said, I die to myself every single There's things I want to do. You, you ever read Paul's statements? It, it, it kind of goes like this. He said, because in my flesh, he said, I know what I shouldn't do, but I still do it. And even though I don't want to do it, I do it. And even when I say I'm not going to do it, I still do. It's kind of like that, right? I mean, I'm saying the same. So our flesh... Paul must have known the importance of daily living in the place of repentance. Here's what Peter said The Lord keeps his promises. He's patient with you, not wanting any one of you to perish. Thank God for that. But he is calling everyone to come to repentance. So he's reaching for you today. That voice inside of you is calling you to repentance right now. There's another verse that gets my attention. Uh, It's found in the Old Testament, God said it this way. He said, the people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips. They even honor me, but their heart is far from me. Yes, I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, how you doing? I'm I'm highly blessed and favored, and all this. You know, here we go. But but where's where's your heart? Solomon said it this way. This is a this is a this is a verse that convicts me. Solomon says it this way. Um, there is a way. A man's way seems right a man's way seems well I thought about it and it just seems right it doesn't matter a man's way seems right to him but the lord weighs the heart you you can you got to understand your head will tell you things that your heart said no to yeah but i deserve it no you don't yeah but she loves me does she really yeah she loves me more than my wife uh uh-uh. uh but she makes me feel good Since when did you start letting your feelings guide the future of your life? A meal for your future? A dinner for your destiny? Then afterward, man, it felt good on the way. I was excited. This is great. And then afterward, and the kids say, Dad, why are you moving out? Then afterward, when you have to tell her, honey, I betrayed you, or she has to tell him, honey, I betrayed you. How's your heart? God's looking at your heart. When God looked for a king in Israel, it's great what the scripture says, right? God told Samuel the prophet. He said, when you go to anoint a king and you're looking for somebody, he said, don't look at his countenance or his physical stature. Thank God he didn't, I mean, God chose me not because I'm tall, but I'm tall enough, amen. My feet reach the ground, it's okay. I do have two brothers shorter than me. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, just gonna make sure you're listening. But God said, listen carefully. He said, don't look at his countenance, don't look at his physical stature, because the Lord sees what man doesn't see. Man looks outside. Man, he's handsome. Come on, girls. He walks in and he's all that, the bag of chips, and he comes strutting down through there and that hair's just a flowing. You know, long hair is supposed to be coming back in. The mullet's supposed to be coming back in. Oh God, help us. Sorry. Now not a, try to be mean of any just, well I shouldn't have said that from the stage? should I? I don't know. I don't know. Sorry about that. When you get older like me, you're just hoping to have a little hair, let alone it be flowing, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, but you listen, if he comes walking in and he's all that and he's, he's strutting and he's got, he seems to have it all together, you better not look at the outside as much as you find out what's going on in here, too. Does he or she love God? Now, I, I get it, looks as important. I get it, I I, I mean, I wanna be attracted to my girl, and I am. And I tell her that every single day, ask her, ask her. I mean, even with morning breath and her hair like this, it's still awesome. Because her skin is so soft, oh my gosh. Okay, back to the verse, it says, you're getting in my heart a little bit. You got to watch out there, you know. There's some places in my heart that only she can go. And I got to tell you guys, just because she comes in and it's, it's, it's really short and those legs, are, I mean, they're as long as a giraffe's neck. That don't mean she's the one for you and she might take you down and she might cost you your birthright that you'll pay for the rest of your life. Maybe we didn't want this kind of teaching today. Maybe we should, maybe we should have went somewhere else this morning. I don't know. Let's see if, I, if I'm missing something here. Where are we at? So I'm just saying that there's a place of repentance, and God knows your heart. Because here's, here's a verse you need to know if you don't have it marked in your Bible, you need to know it. It's found in the book of Jeremiah. It's one that scares me quite honestly. I mean, it, 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 I, I get nervous. It, and the verse says this, Jeremiah seventeen nine. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately, desperately wicked. Notice the words here. The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's the part that scares me, that I don't even know some of the things that are deep in my heart. And then a moment will come along and something comes out because the scripture says, from the abundance of the heart, from the depth of the heart, the mouth will speak. You'll say something, you'll act on something. You're like, where did that come from? That's why you gotta stay in the place of repentance. When you get out of the place of repentance and the heart begins to. Vomit things out that you didn't know were there, or you find yourself in a situation that you didn't. You're like, "How did I? How? How? how I don't want to be here." You gotta, you gotta be in the place of repentance where you're safe, and you know, God, I I, I resent this. I didn't know this was gonna. I didn't. I, I stepped over, but I gotta step back right now. i I've got out of line. I gotta get back right now before I do something. Before I'm hungry. I'm hungry, Jacob. Feed me something. I'm hungry. I want something to eat. And he's like, "You, you give me your birthright." I'll feed you. You'll trade your entire future and destiny for a stupid meal. And if if Fallon, our three-year-old, was in the room, she'd say, Papa, you can't use the word stupid because that's a bad word. And it's a bad word, so if you got kids in here, it's your fault. (laughs) That's why we have kids ministry going on right now. So, don't blame me, you fix it when you get in the car. (laughs) So, this is why we should confess our sins every day. Because we don't know the sin that lies within our heart. And that's the part that scares me, right? So, I get up in the morning and someone, (laughs) You may be in the room here today. There was a couple I met yesterday in a a department store. Actually, I was was shopping for and with Janet. Uh, She had me run an errand for her and thank God for FaceTime because she didn't feel like getting out. So, I'm walking around the store like this with her. (laughs) Now, yeah, what about that? Is that going to work? That can happen. They're going to work? Is that going to work? Yep. And people just, live. Like, I don't care what they're doing. We're just talking. i like, yep. Yeah. I was up shopping for her. And so, they that going to work? Yep. No. That's, she goes, what did you pass? I said, I don't know. She goes, go back. I went back. She did that three times, I think. I wouldn't even look at it when I passed. And she said, what that? And then that's what we bought when I was passing. Way to go, Danny. So, but a couple stopped me and, now what was I going to reference about that? Yeah, I know. Well, it'll come back around. Say again? Yep. Yeah. You do have to get up. It'll come back to me. Gosh, I got sidetracked shopping for Janet. This is amazing. This woman just consumes me. Um, scroll the notes back a little bit. Okay, stop it there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See? <clears throat> See, and when you get my age, you learn it's okay just to stop for a minute. That horse is running around the crowd. It's going to be back in a minute. Just hang on, hang on. Come that bike. Boom, there it is. Okay, I better say it before I forget it again, right? Okay. What, what, what was it? Here we go again. <laughs> oh, my God. God, I had it and it left me again. I hate that. I need some privilege in or something. <laughs> they talk about it on TV. Oh, here it is. Okay. Uh, so back in June, so I met this couple, and they said, hey, Pastor Danny, I'm like, hey, and they were looking sharp, and they are a little younger couple, and I, I suppose they were married, they buying stuff together, and you know, and I, I never met you before, but we met there, and they said, we go to your church, and the, I said, awesome, and they said, you know, you said a while back that you went off of social media, I'm like, whoa, people do listen, <laughs> and I said, I did, and it was back in may i felt con- just conviction something in my heart was talking to me and ends up and, and you know if you're on social media i'm not saying you're sinning but i mean it was just time it was eating up time it was getting in my head it was getting in my head space all the okay if your kids are in here you got to fix this one too all the crap that was coming down the pipe and all and then and then and then this leads to that and then you open that and then and you got instagram and all everybody i don't care what you're Salads are great, but I don't need a picture of it, right? I mean, but beyond that, it just, but it gets all the other stuff and all the, and, and, and I, I feel like I have an obligation as a leader to speak to things, but I gotta protect me, and so I just said, I'm and in the middle of June, I dumped them all. Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, I went off. And so people say, hey, did you see it? I'm like, no, I didn't see that. So I'm missing a couple things, but I gotta tell you there's some things I'm not missing. And that couple told me, they said, We decided to do the same thing, and it's been awesome. Now, here's what I'm saying. I had to protect my heart because I know the things, some of the things that's in here, but there's some things I don't know, and by the things I do know, I got to say, if I know some of that's in there, I better build a high fence around my heart. In fact, some places around my heart, I've, I've, I've built a stone wall, not because I'm, I'm hurt or I don't want people to hurt me. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a protection to say, God, that's, I need to know, you only know my heart and I wanna stay in the place of repentance. So there's just some places I know I can't go. May not be wrong for you, but I just can't go there. You understand what I'm talking about? Paul said that. You may eat meat to idols and not bother you, and if you're a Jew, you can't do that. But don't argue over it. But I'm here to tell you, sometimes we're arguing over some stuff we ought to be all agreeing on. And I'm just saying, you gotta guard your heart. Romans 10, verse 10. For with the heart man believes. Unto, you're going somewhere. With the heart You believe unto righteousness. It it takes you into a place of righteousness. That means right standing with God. Confession. Where the heart believes and with the mouth, confession is made to salvation. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I was born in sin. Shaped in iniquity. The sins of Adam and Eve have transcended through time. And by nature, I was born to walk with God throughout eternity. But sin came. Disobedience came. And because of sin and disobedience, over thousands of years of man's sin, we offered intermittent, temporary Sacrifices, animals, but they didn't pay the price. They just were teaching us that for sin, there's a price. For every sin, there's a cost. Something has to die for sin to be paid for. And ultimately, Jesus was and is that sacrifice. The Son of God who came, bore my sin and yours, and gives us the opportunity to believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, Jesus, I just want to live a life pleasing to you. I want to go to heaven. Earth is only temporary, and eternity is forever. So forgive me. Every head bowed, every eye closed right now. Would you pray that prayer? Jesus, you took my place on a cruel, rugged cross. You died like a common thief between two other men who actually deserved it. but there was no fault that could be found in you. The only fault that was found in you was my sin. It was my sin that put you on that cross. It's the actions that I actually carried out in my life when they left my thoughts and became a deed put you on that cross and Jesus you came and even said guard your heart, guard your thoughts stay in the place of repentance where you see sin as God sees it If you're here today, heads are bowed, just in this moment of reverencing the holy God that we're talking about, and you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, wherever you may be right now on this continent, on this planet, if you don't know Jesus, I'm here to tell you, he died for you. His blood was shed for you. The pain and the beating and the cruelty that he received and allowed to happen it was our sin that put him there and he says but if you'll come to me and believe in your heart that I am the son of God believe that he did rise from the grave on the third day and confess with your mouth that he is Lord you can be saved and he'll forgive you of your sin and you can have eternal life so I'm asking you to pray this prayer with me near and far can we say it out loud everybody in the room a prayer of repentance to God. Say it with me right now. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Take away my past. I accept you as the Lord and leader of my life from this day forward. Thank you for dying for me. I surrender to you totally from this day forward. And I'll do my best to honor you and to follow you. In Jesus' name, thank you. Thank you for saving me. Amen and amen.